You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back with another episode of Locked on Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. So go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Pepsi, made for football watching. And we are back here, Crossover Thursday, and we're going to get into Crossover Thursday with Locked on Patriots in the second and third segments. But here in this first segment, there's a little bit of stuff I want to go and get into because... There's a lot that potentially could be of big news to the Baltimore Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens community. There was a workout for Baltimore. Somebody got on the Ravens tryout list, and I personally think it's a phenomenal signing, so we'll get into who that is and why they'd be a perfect fit on the Ravens' offense. I'll give a little teaser. They're an offensive player if the news hasn't made its way all around Baltimore yet. And then also... There was a Rich Eisen Show interview with Lamar Jackson, and in this interview, Lamar Jackson said some things that I think have been taken out of context to an extent, but at the same time, Lamar Jackson seemed very frustrated saying them, and I don't know, this is most likely an indication of how Greg Roman has been performing, and a little bit of execution as well, it doesn't all fall on one person, but I wanted to get into his remarks and what it means, how the Ravens can fix it, and a bunch of other stuff there, so we'll be talking about all of that here in this first segment, and then again, crossover Thursday with Locked On Patriots in the second and third segment, so we're going to get into all of it and jump right in, but before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and where there's a podcast where they're waiting Monday through Friday. Friday, 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KOSTRIKER34 for news updates, analysis, and everything else. So let's jump right in now, and we'll start off with the whole, I guess it's controversy, but at the same time, it's really not. Lamar Jackson, I think it was really big of him to go out and speak his mind and tell Rich Eisen why the offense has been struggling. So for context here, before we get into it, Rich Eisen ended up asking Lamar Jackson, look, from 2019 to this season in 2020, there has been a little bit of a drop-off statistically on offense. What can you attribute that to? And Lamar Jackson said they've had their ups and downs. And at the end of the day, the ups was in Cleveland, and then they had their downs. And it's really been for the rest of the season. And pretty much the short version of what Lamar Jackson said, I think the clip making the rounds right now is around two minutes long and the short version of what Lamar Jackson says is defenses are calling out our plays at the line and they know what's coming and he did not seem very happy talking about it I I think he's upset he's upset that he hasn't been able to replicate his success from 2019 but the good thing about all of this is and this is something that is a pretty general statement The fact of the matter is Baltimore is still winning, even with a subpar offense this year. And I don't know if I'd go out of my way to call it a subpar offense at the very least because Baltimore, again, is winning, but they also have scored less than 24 points. 
just once during this 2020 season. They're putting up points. Their defense is good enough where they don't need 40 points. They don't need 30 points. We, we saw the defense hold the Indianapolis Colts to just 10 points, none in the second half. So while the offense is still trying to figure themselves out, the defense has been massive in giving Baltimore's offense the, the luxury, really, of struggling for a little bit of this season here. But Look, all in all, when you hear the defenses are calling out plays at the line, they know what's coming. That's not a great thing to hear, especially from your quarterback. And this is something that we've seen all across the league. There are limited fans in the stands. There are no fans in the stands. That that really helps. I think that helps defenses out a lot. It's helped out Baltimore's defense. It's helped out all the defenses across the NFL. If you go and you watch the mic'd up across the entire NFL from week nine, there's a clip of Chris Jones. He looks up. Teddy Bridgewater comes up to the line. Chris Jones looks up and, and kind of leans in to hear him and says, all right, they're running this way. They're running this way. You can hear everything in those stadiums. And, you know, it's really important to understand just how big of an advantage home field advantage is. So with this whole offense, I think, you know, we've seen kind of a pattern from Greg Roman over his over the course of his career as an offensive coordinator. San Francisco, great start really tanked at the end of his career there. Same thing in Buffalo. Great start, really tanked at the end of his career there. Baltimore, great start. I really hope we're not going to get to the tanking part because it really hasn't been a full-on, like, absolute horrible, atrocious performance. I personally think Greg Roman called his best game of the year on Sunday against Indianapolis, all things considered, considering the offense struggled completely, horribly, in the first half, and putting up a pretty good showing on offense. So I think that was Roman's best game, and I think in the second half against Pittsburgh, those were really encouraging signs. But I think over the next three weeks, we'll, we'll, the Ravens stretch, their hard stretch, is going to come to a close, you know, to an extent, after three weeks. They have the New England Patriots, they have the Tennessee Titans, and they have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Three very formidable opponents. If the offense struggles, if there's a lapse in that offense, if the offense is underperforming. We could see maybe a firing here in promoting maybe David Culley or James Urban to offensive coordinator. Now, I think there's probably a 1% chance, maybe less than a 1% chance of that happening, again, because I do see improvement. But in this clip, it seems like Lamar Jackson puts it on the coaching. He puts it on the execution a little bit. And again, I think it's it's a two-way street. The execution has to be better and the play calling has to be better. But Lamar Jackson in there says, you know, we're going to go and we're going to trust them, but does not seem happy in this clip. And I love when this Ravens team is having fun. I love when, you know, offense, defense, special teams, coaches, everybody's out there having fun. Personally, to be honest, and this is a harsh one for me, it doesn't seem like Lamar Jackson's having fun on the football field this year. It seems like he's forcing it. It seems like he's trying to prove the doubters wrong just a little bit too much. Where at the end of the day, we know Lamar Jackson is a great NFL quarterback. The problem is that the league seems to dismiss him at every turn, wait for his downfall, and then go out and trash him. And I think it's honestly getting to him a little bit. And honestly, I don't think there's a single person in this world who hasn't had something like that get to them before. And it's just on a national stage for Lamar Jackson. So it's difficult for him because he knows he's a great quarterback. The Ravens think he's a good quarterback and know he's a good quarterback. We think and know he's a good quarterback. 
The issue is he wants to prove to everybody else, and rightfully so. Anybody would want to prove that they are worth it to the whole entire world. But I think he is forcing things a little bit, and that is part of the reason. One, he's not having as much fun on the football field anymore. And two, I think that in turn is kind of hindering his progress and his, I guess, statistical gains from this season. So hopefully this does not go and linger throughout the rest of the season. But there could be drastic changes coming. We saw a 9-4 and football team in 2012 fire Cam Cameron just before the Super Bowl run. And look what happened. They ended up going on that Super Bowl run, and it worked to perfection. So this Ravens team is not afraid and will not shy away from making changes, even if they're difficult and massive ones, no matter what the record is, no matter how far along in the season they are. They'll do it. They'll do it for the betterment of the team. And hopefully for the betterment of the team, Greg Roman is the guy for them because I'm rooting for Greg Roman. I think Greg Roman is a great offensive coordinator still. It's just been a little bit rocky for him. And I think these statements by Lamar Jackson kind of echo that to an extent. But again, my final point with this is a two-way street. The offense has to be better at executing. The offensive coordinator and coaches have to be better at play calling. It's a two-way street. And I think that's how Baltimore is going to be able to be successful for the rest of the year. Better execution better play calling. The Ravens also had somebody on their tryout list yesterday, and this is something that I think I've vouched before on this show and vouched for on this show just a little bit, and that is tight end Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson was on the Ravens tryout list for yesterday, and I think if the Ravens were to sign Luke Wilson, first of all, who is Luke Wilson? Luke Wilson, tight end for the Seattle Seahawks, or formerly of the Seattle Seahawks. He's 30 years old, was taken in the fifth round of the 2013 draft out of Rice by the Seattle Seahawks. And he actually, I think, is one of the best fits for this Ravens offense left on the market. Wilson was cut just a few weeks ago because Seattle had an abundance of tight ends. They just got one of them back from IR, and so Wilson was the odd man out. Now, this is Luke Wilson spelled with two L's. You had Russell Wilson with one L throwing to Luke Wilson with two L's. Over the course of his career, he's had 110 receptions for 1,295 yards and 11 scores. And again, this would be the perfect fit for Baltimore. I've been on the Delaney Walker to Baltimore train, but we don't know how healthy Delaney Walker is. And the fact that he remains unsigned to me is a signal that he's probably not that healthy. So what does Luke Wilson bring? Luke Wilson is an athletic tight end. He's somebody who has, again, lost some of that athleticism over the course of his career, but still has a bit of that athleticism left where I kind of see similarities with him, is with Hayden Hurst. He is very similar to Hayden Hurst, also has very long, luscious hair, so that's a similarity right there, but he's a good pass catcher. He's an above-average blocker, somebody who is kind of in the middle of what Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle are. Now, both of those two tight ends, Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle, have improved on, I guess, the low parts of their game over the last year. Mark Andrews, a much-improved blocker. Nick Boyle, a much-improved pass catcher, but the Ravens have severely missed those three tight end sets and I would like them to go back to those three tight end sets because it gives you a heavier look where it's less likely for a defense to know what's going on because you have three formidable pass catchers who if they're stacking the box you can run a pass play out of it with one or two wide receivers out if you want as well and you can throw a quick out. You can throw a good slant to a tight end. Luke Wilson provides that to them. Patrick Ricard, I know they had high hopes for him in that tight end role, but it, it just is not working out. I would rather have Patrick Ricard stay in that fullback role, and Baltimore has kind of shied away from it as the season has gone on. But Luke Wilson, this signing probably would not happen this week due to coronavirus protocols, but if Baltimore likes what they see, 
I, I would not be shocked if they signed him to the active roster and he becomes a big part of this Ravens game plan. I think it, this would be the perfect fit for this Ravens offense. Honestly, you know, you, you don't look at a guy like Luke Wilson and you say he's the final piece. He's somebody who's a huge addition. But, you know, for Baltimore, he would be a huge addition because it completely changes their offense and I think in a very, very good way. We're going to head into our first break now, and when we get back, we're going to be talking with Locked On Patriots about the upcoming matchup between the Ravens and the Patriots, so stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi is made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Pepsi, made for football watching. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDON. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDON for $5 off of your first order with DoorDash. Patriots Nation, Ravens Flock, this Sunday night, the Baltimore Ravens will travel to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. 825 Gillette Stadium in the heart of Southern Massachusetts. It is Crossover Thursday here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. My name is Mike DeBate, host of the Lockdown Patriots Podcast. And joining me today is my friend and colleague, Kevin Ostriker, host of Lockdown Ravens. Kevin, always an honor and a privilege to join you on the microphone for these crossovers every Thursday. Absolutely, Mike. It's great the network does this to get us a little bit of an insider look at the opposing team. And this game on Sunday night, I know it's one that I've had circled on my calendar. Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I do, too. I think this is going to be a better one than the records would indicate. Look, the Ravens definitely right up there in the thick of an AFC title run. Uh, Definitely one of the top teams in this conference. The Patriots are used to being up there, my friend, Uh, not so much this year, but showed a little sign of life on Monday night, and maybe that can carry over into making this a pretty formidable and uh, interesting game on Sunday coming up. And uh, again, Kevin, the Ravens at 6-2, they've positioned themselves very well to at least make the playoffs for a third straight season. I think, again, they're one of the handful of uh, top teams or elite teams in the conference right now. But if we're being honest, Baltimore hasn't been quite as potent running the ball as it was last year. This is a team that's always predicated itself on being a absolute um, juggernaut when it comes to a ground attack. But it still remains tops in the league at over 170 yards per game. So even though they've come down, it's still down by their standards and their standards are still higher than everyone else's, which goes to show you just how good this team is at running the football. It starts with Lamar Jackson, uh, obviously leading the team 469 yards on the ground, a 5.9-yard average uh, running the football. Mark Ingram has been nursing an ankle injury that kept him out of the last two games. Right now, his status for Sunday is uncertain, but Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, the rookie, have really come in and have more than picked up the slack in their absence. Edwards, by my count, has 328 yards, uh, averaging 4.4 yards on the ground. Dobbins with 297 yards, averaging 5.7 yards. So these guys have really helped to pick up the slack. Kevin, despite some of the setbacks that I described earlier, what makes this Ravens rushing attack so difficult to defend? 
Yeah, Mike. Well, starting off, this has been a year of expectations for the Baltimore Ravens after what happened in 2019 with their offense, where they literally broke almost every single rushing record, you know, even even won by those 1970 New England Patriots, uh, a few of those there has been a lot of expectations about what this offense was supposed to do going into this 2020 season. And in terms of Baltimore's rushing attack, you kind of mentioned it still in terms of statistical categories. They are currently leading the league in terms of total rushing yards. They're third in yards per attempt with 5.1. I mean, the rushing offense, when you look at it from a statistical perspective, isn't doing that poorly. But I think it's what happens when you look at the film. And you translate that over to, you know, what's going on on the football field. And the really key issue for Baltimore during this 2020 season so far has been the offensive line. And that goes with both the run and the pass. The Ravens lost Marshall Yonda, who was a first ballot Hall of Famer in my book, one of the best guards to ever do it. That's a huge loss. And Baltimore replaced him with a rookie who had played tackle in college in Tyree Phillips, a third round pick. That transition did not go very smoothly, and I think it showed on the football field. And then, on top of it, the Ravens go ahead and lose Ronnie Stanley for the rest of the season in that Pittsburgh Steelers game. Stanley, the best tackle in my book. Again, someone who was absolutely amazing in run and pass blocking. But when you look at the running game, Mike, I think what is so hard to defend against the run game in Baltimore? And I think the Ravens have to get back to their bread and butter. And I think overall... It's, it's been a hard year for Greg Roman. Greg Roman has been at the forefront of a lot of the criticism that has been received in this running game. He's had a tough go of it, play calling-wise. I think part of it is that Lamar Jackson, Greg Roman, the Ravens, they want to prove they can do it throwing the football. When in reality, I know they can do that, and a lot of other people do too. But the run game, I think, has to come first and foremost. The RPO is what they need to get back to. They've kind of gone away from it. They went away from it and have kind of transitioned back to it to an extent. But the RPO is so dangerous because you have Lamar Jackson, who you mentioned leads this team in rushing yards and is somebody who can really make a play out of anything. Even if he's down 10 yards in the backfield, he could make a play out of it. Now, the RPO, I love it because it gives the Ravens so many different options and Lamar Jackson, it's the same look, three different outcomes. And what you have is the Ravens in their RPO, that that ball is snapped. He puts it in the belly of Mark Ingram or J.K. Dobbins or whoever. He can hand it off and he can run straight up the middle. He can pull it and he can bootleg it around or he can pull it back and it can be a pass play. And that's where disciplined defense comes into play. The Patriots have to be extremely disciplined on the edges. If that edge guy crashes in on the middle run, Lamar Jackson will just take it and bootleg it around him. If the defensive end or outside linebacker, whoever's holding edge contain, kind of stays in that edge contain, he'll just hand it off to the running back and that'll be one less guy to worry about. And then I think Baltimore's also missing their three tight end sets. Baltimore traded Hayden Hurst to the Atlanta Falcons in the offseason, and they really have not replaced him. And that's been tough because those three tight ends, they each had, I think, a, their own arsenal in the pass catching department. And so you could run out of heavy formations. You could also pass really effectively, too. So the run game in general hasn't been what I think a lot of people were expecting from the Ravens, but still not bad. Yeah, and I think in a lot of ways you make a lot of interesting points. Uh, the running game is definitely something that concerns Patriots fans without any question. You mentioned Lamar Jackson and his ability to run the RPO. I think better than anyone in the NFL without question. And he's so adept at being able to do that extend plays with his legs and then Baltimore's runners are so formidable in being able to attack an opponent's defensive line and really find areas to, to break through. 
The reason why it worries the Patriots so much is because their best run defender, Lawrence Guy, right now, dealing with a lot of injuries. He missed the Jets game. His status for Sunday is uncertain. If he's out, it definitely weakens the Patriots' run defense. Juwan Bentley, who's their team's really only linebacker, their only true linebacker, the rest of the guys that are playing this position right now are playing mostly at a hybrid, if you think about it, with the exception of two rookies in Josh Uche and Anthony Jennings. So right now, even if this Patriots' defense is completely healthy, they're allowing 131 yards on the game uh, on the ground um you know and that's something that the patriots just can't afford to uh, uh, to continue to do they rank 25th in the league and believe it or not that statistic actually went up in the jets game believe it or not so um it's definitely a, a tough task to be able to defend this team on the ground and again the ravens are among the best if not the best team in the league at being able to run the football but the ravens are not quite one-dimensional when it comes to offense uh, they do have an aerial attack that can cause some difficulty i know lamar jackson has struggled with passing this year and that's been a little bit of an achilles heel for them but marquise brown hollywood brown is really emerging i think is his favorite target he still has mark andrews you mentioned the tight end sets but andrews Andrews is still a very good receiver for him, and I think Willie Sneed has played pretty well in the slot. What type of attack do you think the Ravens will look at with a secondary in New England that could be missing Stephon Gilmore this weekend? How do you think they'll attack this team through the air? Yeah, Mike, I think that Baltimore, in order to get the most out of their passing game, which has been very subpar this season, they have to go to the no-huddle, up-tempo offense with their passing game. I think with this passing offense, there has been a struggle. The pass concepts by Greg Roman have been very, very simple. Not a lot of deep stuff. I don't expect the Ravens to really go out there and just start slinging the football down the field. I think they should do more of it, but they just haven't done it this season. You mentioned Marquise Brown. You mentioned Mark Andrews. Those guys are Lamar Jackson's two favorite targets. You hit right on the, you hit the nail right on the head there. But outside of that, it's where do the guys step up? You mentioned Willie Sneed. He has been a force over the last two games. I've been really impressed with him. Miles Boykin got off to a very disappointing start, but he's kind of turned it on over the last two weeks as well. They also have speedster Devin Duvernay and their running backs. They also are formidable pass catchers. So how do I expect this Ravens team to attack this Patriots defense through the air? I'd expect a lot of short, intermediate concepts through the middle of the field. Lamar Jackson loves the middle of the field. I think that there's kind of been some discrepancy and some some hate because it's kind of been thrown his way about his ability to, to throw to the outside parts of the field. And so the truth of the matter is he just doesn't like doing it as much as finding those tight ends in the middle of the field on a 10-yard out or a 10-yard slant. You know, you can run those out routes or you can run comebackers, but... Lamar Jackson and this Ravens passing offense, they love, they love the middle of the field. And I would be shocked if that was not where the majority of Lamar Jackson's passes went. And you mentioned kind of the struggles that Lamar Jackson has had. I do think he's pressing the issue a bit too much through the air. I think he's really looking to go out there, complete passes, and everybody should, but there are plays where he has a ton of green grass in front of him and he will stay in that pocket and look to throw the football. I don't even know why, because he has so much green grass in front of him. You mentioned earlier, Mike, the ability for Lamar Jackson to extend plays. That just does not go in the run game. It's also with the pass game. If, if that play breaks down, if there's no one open, he can, again, extend that play with his legs and even pick up eight, nine yards on a play where he might have taken a sack. So Baltimore, I think, will target the middle of the field. I expect Mark Andrews to be heavily targeted. But Nick Boyle, the other tight end, has come on really well as a pass catcher. I think he could be an X-factor here. 
Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. And look, if we're the and as the New England Patriots side of things, we're looking to look to break down or actually lock down that middle part of the field. That's going to be very difficult. The Patriots personnel this year has not been very conducive to doing that. And I'm sure we'll get to that in the second segment. But obviously, the Patriots want to try to hope to force Lamar Jackson into obvious passing situations. And that might be their best hope at being able to contain what is a very formidable offense. Got to flip the script for a second here, Kevin, and I'm going to ask you a little bit about the Baltimore defense. And I'm a huge fan of the Ravens' defensive front. I think Derek Wolf, Brandon Williams, Calais Campbell, uh, one of the best in the league, some of the best that you can get. Now, I know Campbell strained the calf muscle in the win over Indy on Sunday. He's likely to miss the Patriots game, although I haven't seen that official yet. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, but I think this front does a great job of protecting the linebackers. L.J. Fort, Chris Board, Malik Harrison, and a rookie that I really salivated over for a little while about the Patriots possibly picking up in Patrick Queen. Uh, these guys have really done a great job of anchoring that defense for the Baltimore Ravens. By contrast, the Patriots running attack has been their best offensive asset. Save for Cam Newton being able to run the ball, being almost like a Lamar Jackson light, if you will, being able to run with the RPOs, with the, uh, uh, the, the zone reads, but also being able to extend plays with his legs in the passing game. Like you said, the Patriots boast some pretty good runners at Damian Harris, Sonny Michelle, Rex Burkett, James White, even the undrafted rookie J.J. Taylor can get in on the action at times. In your estimation, my friend, might we be looking at the most intriguing matchup of this game, meaning the Patriots running backs versus Baltimore's run defense? Yeah, Mike, I think so. It's one of the key matchups that Baltimore's defense has to win if they want to win the football game. And so far throughout the season, they certainly have done that. They've shut down teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers running the football. They shut down Cleveland's rushing attack in week one. You will not run. It's very unlikely, I should say, that you will run on this Ravens defense effectively I've been very impressed with the Ravens' run defense. Now, in terms of Calais Campbell, that calf strain is definitely going to keep him out for multiple weeks. There's honestly, in my opinion, no way he plays in this game whatsoever. And honestly, I don't think he plays even on Thanksgiving against, against Pittsburgh. But with all that aside, the Ravens have the depth and the versatility to sustain that loss and sustain a really good rushing attack through that loss. And, you know, with Calais Campbell, you can't fully replace that production, the ability for him to win one-on-one -on -one matchups. That's tough. But they have Derek Wolf, who has been one of the best run defenders in the league. They drafted two rookies in Justin Matabuike out of Texas A&M and Project Washington out of Texas Tech. And Brandon Williams is still doing it to this day, one of the best run stuffers in the entire NFL. And you mentioned it, Mike. It frees up the linebackers to go in there and do their thing. Patrick Queen has been phenomenal for Baltimore outside of the week three game against Kansas City. But I don't know how much you're expecting out of a rookie linebacker going up against that high octane Chiefs offense. Patrick Queen leads the team in tackles with 52. Baltimore also has a lot of hybrid looks that they use. They bring Chuck Clark up, their safety in the box, and use him as a dime linebacker. They love bringing both safeties in the box and blitzing. This Baltimore team blitzes like no other. Don Martindale, one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL, in my opinion. The Patriots runners are no joke either. You mentioned it with Damian Harris and Cam Newton and, and his running self as well. And also Rex Burkhead and a few others you mentioned. But this is a very intriguing matchup to me, Mike. And I think that if Baltimore's defense can really stifle that Patriots rushing attack and make them a one-dimensional offense because they're just not getting anything on the ground, 
it'll be tough for them to move the football with the elite secondary that is getting Marlon Humphrey back this week. Also just signed Tremont Williams, who was a top 10 cornerback last season, according to PFF. So take that as you will. But also with Jimmy Smith out there in that secondary, it's going to be tough. But I will say this Patriots offense has to protect the football. Baltimore has forced a turnover in, I don't even know, it's at least 19 games now in straight games. They get defensive touchdowns. They lead the league and force fumbles in defensive touchdowns. This defense, they will strip the ball at any play, any Anywhere you are on the field, this Baltimore defense is going for the football. That comes up on film. The play style is contagious. Marlon Humphrey started it with his, what we call it, a fruit punch here in Baltimore. We've seen Marcus Peters force fumbles. We've seen Deshaun Elliott do it. The Ravens will be going after that football, and you better protect it if you want to win the football game because they'll be coming for it. Without question. And uh, I think you said it perfectly. Look, uh, there's a lot to like about what the Ravens are able to do uh, and, and be able to stop the uh, not only the passing attack, but the running attack for the Patriots as well. And the Patriots have struggled through the air. They've been a little bit better on the, on the run, but uh, Baltimore's defense is definitely adept at being able to stop both. Kevin, you've provided a tremendous amount of insight when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens. Can't thank you enough from a Patriots perspective for that. But this wouldn't exactly be a true crossover unless we flip the script and you put me on the hot seat. In just a moment, folks, my friend and colleague, Kevin Ostriker of Locked On Ravens, will take over the command and seek my insight on all things New England Patriots. More on this Sunday night showdown between the Patriots and the Ravens when this Locked On crossover Thursday continues. Built Good makes you the best you at whatever you do. Break through your wall, whether it's a mental or physical wall. Break through it with Go every day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's 5-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Locked on Ravens, locked on Patriots. We are back with another segment of this crossover Thursday, and this is going to be a good one. Ravens and Patriots Sunday night at Gillette Stadium. And Mike, we just talked about the team I cover in the Baltimore Ravens and what they should be able to do what they could do against this New England Patriots team. But Mike, I now watch your perspective is in the spirit of this crossover here of the New England Patriots and your opinion on just how this season has gone so far and what to expect from New England in this game against the Ravens. And Mike, I have to start off with this New England Patriots team and ask about Cam Newton and just how the whole Cam Newton experience has gone for the New England Patriots this year. Now, I know that going into the year before Newton was in the picture, this was widely believed to be Jared Stidham's team, and then the Patriots make the move that I think a lot of people wanted to see for a long time, ringing in Cam Newton on a one-year bargain deal, in my opinion. And Newton, so far, I think has been decent. Now, the, the numbers wouldn't say so. Two touchdowns to seven interceptions through the air. He has 350 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So the stats don't necessarily support him being good, but I think he's provided a really different skill set than the New England Patriots have had in recent years at that position. So, Mike, how has the Cam Newton experience been for New England so far in 2020? And it's been kind of an up-and-down experience so far, believe it or not, Kevin. I think the first two weeks, maybe the first three weeks, if you want to really get into the Patriots' uh, first game against Miami, the loss to Seattle, and then rebounding with the game against uh, Las Vegas, it's been kind of a—that uh, was— 
pretty much, uh, you know, very well received by New England Patriots fans, and it should be. Uh, Cam looked very comfortable in this offense. Uh, he was utilizing the zone reads. Every once in a while, he'd throw an RPO in there. And then also, he was looking pretty decent about being able to find targets open on the field, so much so to the point where people were talking about a comeback player of the year. The Patriots were at one point ranked in the top you know, 10 of, of the teams in the league, it looked like they were chucking along and, and really making a push for another playoff run. Then all of a sudden, Cam gets uh, derailed by a positive COVID-19 test, and he was on the shelf for a couple of weeks. Uh, there were delays that prevented him from being able to get back on the field, and I think it affected him a little bit. And that's not to say the virus affected him a little bit, because there's no evidence that the virus was in any way responsible for it. I think it was more his mechanics. I think it was more his rhythm. Cam tends to be a player that is so good at repetition, muscle uh, memory, things of that nature that prevent that allow him to be the quarterback that he is i think it disrupted his timing and i think in a lot of ways you saw him struggle for the first couple of games back where he wasn't finding open receivers he wasn't looking at the field the way he normally does at one point he was almost ignoring the right side of the field completely uh he was short arming throws and a lot of people wondered whether or not is this why cam newton was on the shelf for so long did the patriots just not think that there was something wrong here or are we looking at maybe the decline of cam newton the last couple of weeks he's been much better which leads me to believe that it might have been just a blip in the, in the radar screen and that things will continue to progress well here under cam newton over the past two weeks he's completed 42 of 60 passes 448 yards through the air Hasn't thrown a touchdown pass, but he also hasn't thrown an interception either in the last couple of weeks, which is good because he was throwing some picks and really, you know, losing the football and obviously had the big fumble against, uh, uh, you know, Buffalo. But at the same time, he's also carried the football 19 times for 70 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. So he's trying to spread out the wealth a little bit. One of the big things that I've noticed with Cam the last couple of weeks is he's handling the blitzes better. He's got better timing with his throws. He's also using strong eye manipulation and body language to move the coverage away from his intended targets. These are things that Cam didn't do in the couple of weeks where he was struggling, and I've noticed his improvement there. So overall, I would say the Cam Newton ex experiment or his um, fit in New England has been a pretty good one. I think he's done the best he can with a marginally decent supporting cast. I'm not going to sit there and say these guys are all pro bowlers, but I don't think they're as terrible as people make them out to be. Definitely has some bright spots, one of them being Jacoby Myers, who obviously 12 catches for 169 yards the other night, really, uh, you know, was his coming out party in terms of uh, being a formidable wide receiver in this league. I think Jacoby's name is going to be heard a lot on Sunday night, and he's been utilizing the running backs pretty well too, so if Cam can continue to get production, or, or protection, I should say from a very good offensive line that's been a big key to cam's success as well is the protection he's getting from the offensive line if he can do that and continue to get rid of the ball pretty quickly when he gets it uh then i think this offense will continue to improve week after week yeah mike and let's kind of stay with those pass catchers and the weapons that cam newton has because i am personally a huge fan of jacoby myers and what he's been able to do especially i mean his coming out party against the jets on monday night i mean what a game that was for him but a thorn in the Ravens' side for so many years was Julian Edelman. And with Edelman now out of the fold on IR with an injury, was having a decent but not spectacular year with 315 yards on 21 receptions. How has his absence changed this Patriots passing attack, and what can the Ravens do to potentially slow it down if it gets going? 
Well, it, Jillian's loss hasn't done much in the stat sheet department, and a lot of people, up, especially up here in New England, incorrectly uh, equate that with, oh, well, they're not missing anything with Julian out of the lineup. No, they're missing a lot with Julian out of the lineup. Maybe he wasn't lighting up the stat sheet. It's because he was injured that he wasn't lighting up the stat sheet, but this is still a kid that is as tough as they come. Uh, he's savvy. He draws defenders away. Even if he's being used as a decoy at that point, uh, it still draws defenders away. People are still respectful of what Julian can do in the open field. We saw him have a tremendous game uh, just a few weeks ago where he was, you know, receiving over 100 yards and really, really putting up some solid numbers. Obviously, as the knee continued to bother him, he continued to be less of a factor in the offense. So the Patriots are missing that. They're missing that reliable number one target, the type of receiver that everyone zeroes in on. You mentioned Jacoby Myers coming out party. Well, I'm sure the Baltimore Ravens saw that footage just like everyone else did. They're going to be zeroing in on Jacoby Myers. They'll be doubling him, trying to take him away from Cam Newton. What that means is the Patriots are going to have to find other receivers to take on some of the load. It's interesting that Isaiah Ford now is practicing with the team he's able to. He was, after the trade, cleared COVID protocol. We're not sure if he's going to get the nod to go this weekend, but if it's possible that he is out there, uh, look for him to possibly be a target. The guys that I would look for if I'm Baltimore are going to be Demir Bird. He's got a relationship with Cam. They played together in Carolina. Bird is a speedster. We saw him hook up uh, with a, for a nice 31-yard reception uh, the other night against the Jets. That's a, a combination that could be uh, utilized pretty well by Cam Newton. The other is Gunnar Rochelski. I think a lot of people have forgotten that this kid had a very strong training camp. He's one of the fastest kids that I've seen that's able to get out of the break. He reminds me of a younger Danny Amendola. Uh, in the way he's able to break and can get on the outside. So look for Gunner to possibly be an option this weekend as well. Uh, but ultimately, with Julian out of the lineup, it does slow the ability for the Patriots to be able to utilize their offensive weapons through the air. Um, one of the things that I look for them to utilize is maybe pass catchers out of the backfield. And they do have two very good ones in Rex Burkhead and in James White. I look for a pretty heavy dose of those guys this weekend as well. If the Patriots want to try to utilize yards after the catch, those two guys are some of the best at being able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And flipping over to the defensive side of the ball here, Mike, I want to talk a bit about the Patriots' pass rush because from a pure numbers perspective, you don't really see a ton of sack numbers on the board for this team. Chase Winovich, who I love, leads this team with two and a half sacks. You then have guys with two and Shalit Calhoun, and then you have a bunch with one and a half, Juwan Bentley and Dietrich Wise Jr. and, and even Derek Rivers. But, Mike, this Ravens offensive line has struggled in pass protection to an extent. So what would you expect out of this Patriots' pass rush on Sunday night? Well, I think the Patriots pass rush, and we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier on when we were talking about what the Patriots might do to try to uh, to contain Lamar Jackson. Um, I think ultimately the Patriots will want to get Jackson in obvious passing situations. And you said it yourself, he hasn't handled that quite well this year. He's been sacked 21 times, and many are coming when he's trying to extend plays and just can't find his receivers. The loss of Ronnie Stanley obviously is going to be something that the Patriots pass rush is going to be exploiting, or at least try to exploit. Uh, New England hasn't been able to impact the quarterback on a consistent basis all year. The secondary has struggled against uh, teams. They even struggled against the Jets the other night. So it's going to be important for New England's secondary to stick with the receivers as Jackson looks to create. That's a matchup that I think the Patriots have to win, even though it's secondary and we're talking about what the Patriots need to do defensively. Um, I think that sets the tone uh, for the entire front seven. It sets the tone for the linebackers. It allows the linebackers to 
set up and to be able to try to be able to, to take care of the run. Um, it also allows the front seven to be able to get into position. One thing that the Patriots have had a very difficult time doing is stopping the run. We talked about the Baltimore Ravens run uh, attack and how it's one of the best, if not the best in the league. Um, again, I think the Patriots need to be very stout up front. Um, uh, someone who took on a pretty big role for the Pats uh, over uh, uh, the weekend against the uh, the New York Jets, believe it or not, was uh, their newly acquired um, defensive tackle, who is uh, Carl Davis. Uh, Davis is coming fresh off of the practice squad for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, the Jets attempted to run a lot of outside zone, which has been New England's kryptonite when it comes to uh, you know their, uh, their defense. Uh, and Davis had the ability to hold up inside against a double team that allows guys like a Chase Winovich, who you mentioned, and others like a Dietrich Wise Jr., some of those free-roaming players, to freely flow to the ball. And I think if the Patriots can do that, then they have a chance to neutralize some of what Baltimore does well offensively. But if they don't have the ability to do that and the Patriots can't get consistent pressure or try to keep Lamar in the pocket and force him into obvious passing situations, it's going to be a long night in Foxborough on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I think with this Patriots defense, they do have to get Baltimore into obvious passing situations. And Baltimore on the year has been one of the worst first down teams in terms of offense. It's usually what people like to call the three yard run on first and 10. It gets them into second and seven. And then if they don't get into either a third and short or pick up a first down, it sometimes does lead to trouble for the Baltimore offense. So I think a key for this Patriots defense, as you mentioned, Mike, is to get them into key third down situations that are you know, third and eight, third and seven, even third and six. If you can do that, you have the potential to slow down this Ravens offense by a big margin. But if Baltimore ends up picking chunk yards after chunk yards up through the air on the ground, wherever they get it, it might be a long night for the New England Patriots. It's always great to talk to Mike and hear his analysis on the Patriots. This game is going to be a good one and one I think is going to be underrated by a lot of people leading into Sunday. That's all I have for you today, but when we get back tomorrow, we'll be getting into our preview of the Ravens at Patriots game, so stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.